This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Friday, or excuse me, Friday. It's Thursday, Thursday morning wake-up call, uh, September the 2nd, 2021. Uh, it was a incredibly stormy night here in the Northeast. I'm sure that by now you have all seen uh, the videos of the flooding from New York City. They had to close down the subway systems. Uh, Philadelphia got devastated uh, parts of New Jersey ha- and Maryland had tornadoes from uh, the remnants of Hurricane Ida and here in Middletown we got about six inches of rain dumped on us uh, I've never seen that much rain in one storm as long as I've lived here uh, just phenomenal uh, flooding all over the state of Connecticut there is uh, a lot of schools that are either delayed or out for the day today uh, but they said eight people have died across the Northeast from the flooding. It's just, uh, just horrific, just horrific. Uh, so hopefully, um, hopefully everybody that, uh, that normally listens to us is safe and, uh, uh, Ida is gone and, uh, we move on from there. So a, uh, a brutal one for sure. But, uh, fortunately, uh, here in Middletown, at least no catastrophic flooding. We've had some river flooding, but nothing uh, really bad. Uh, all right, let's uh, get to some sports stuff. And uh, Bill Belichick in his normal press conference yesterday, of course, the topic of conversation from all the reporters was about the decision to release Cam Newton. And in typical Bill Belichick fashion, he wasn't going to tell you anything. Uh, Belichick basically said, uh, you know, when asked, you know, if Cam Newton was even offered a backup role, he said, I'm not going to go through all the different things with any player on that. We'll just leave it the way it is and go from there. You know, and and then he, you know, he but and the thing is, is, is with the reporters and I know they all have a job to do. I've been a newspaper reporter in the past, so I get it. And you have a specific question in mind that you feel you need to ask. But they kept hammering away at this. You know, he's already answered the question. The first two times that somebody asked, he's already answered the question. So why do we continue? But, the, you know, it just it was relentless, you know, and he's and, you know, so then it was like, OK, well, all right. If, if that's the case, when when did when did uh, you decide Mac Jones are in the job? And and again, Belichick goes, I'm not going to go into it. You know, he said, we'd be here forever. It's a process. It's a competitive situation. Uh, but, you know, the one thing he did point out was that they felt that that Mac Jones had performed to the point where it justified, it showed that they were justified in drafting him 15th overall. So if anybody was expecting clarification from uh, the Patriots head coach on the the Cam Newton situation, you knew you weren't going to get it. You know, and if you thought you were, 
you really haven't been paying attention to the way Bill Belichick does business. You know, interesting, uh, Julian Edelman, who is going to be, uh, who, of course, just recently retired and is going to be working for Paramount Plus on an Inside the NFL show uh, that is getting ready to start. And in a media call yesterday to, you know, to uh, kind of pump up the show a little bit, he was asked about the decision here because he'd played with Cam Newton last year. Edelman only played six games last year, but he had a career-high 179 yards receiving in a game that he played with Cam Newton. So, uh, you know, naturally he was going to be asked about it. And what was interesting was Edelman said that his belief is that this was done, uh, cutting Cam Newton was done because Belichick didn't want to deal with a quarterback controversy. He didn't want to have to answer questions about this every week. If, if Cam Newton struggled in week one, of course, the natural questions were going to be, okay, well, when do you go to Mac Jones? If they had decided to go with Mac Jones, of course, the question after, and, and if he struggles in week one, the question is going to be, have you thought about going back to Cam Newton? Julian Edelman just thought that Bill Belichick didn't want to deal with it. And they just thought it would be cleaner to just hand the reins over to Mac Jones. He was your number one overall pick and just let it roll that way. And he just thought that that was the best way to go. And I'll tell you, you know, I can't, if that was his thinking, and he's, as we saw in the press conference yesterday, he's never going to admit what his thinking was or let us know what his thinking was. But, you know, if, if he indeed was trying to avoid that distraction all season, I can't say that I blame him. You know, because, you know, it's just, look, it's not something that we're used to here in New England. We had, you know, Tom Brady for so long. We had Drew Bledsoe for so long. I mean, we've had a history here in New England of quarterbacks that played for our team for, you know, years. I mean, there were a few exceptions, obviously, along the way, when, sometimes when you're making the transition. But this, you know, I, I think that this was, uh, I think that was a factor. And that's okay. That's okay. Uh, at the end of the day, Patriot fans are getting what they wanted. I, I saw damn few comments from any Patriot fan that said, oh, Cam Newton should be our quarterback. Matter of fact, the pretty much the, the universal uh, thing that everybody said when the Patriots re-signed Cam Newton in the offseason was, huh? I mean, honestly, that was pretty much what everybody was saying. So, uh, I think this was, I think it was just cleaner this way. And will Mac Jones struggle some without question? We've seen every rookie quarterback, you know, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow and, uh, Daniel Jones and, you know, on and on and on. We have seen guys struggle. So it's going to happen because the game's a lot faster. You're going to see stuff in the regular season you didn't see in the preseason, uh, you know. But this is, you know, he they are putting their they put their their whole uh, future on the line drafting this kid, number fifteen overall. So why not see what you got? You know, uh, anybody that thinks that uh, you know Joey Lawrence, who's the number was the number one pick, is going to you know. Uh, walk into Jacksonville and, you know, be a star the way he was in college, you're sadly mistaken. It's going to be a long season, not not the least of which because the Jaguars stink and they need a lot more than, uh, you know, Joey Lawrence or T Trevor Lawrence. I called Joey Lawrence. Jesus. 
uh, you know, they need more than Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so, you know, expect some struggles. But look at it this way. Can it be any worse than the 7-9 and nine this team was last year? I don't think so. I expect the Patriots will have a winning record. Do I think they're going to go 11-5 and five with Mac Jones? No, I don't. But I think, you know, I think a nine, you know, I think I think winning nine, ten games, you know, could they win eleven? I guess if everything falls right. But you know, you, you look at the wide receiver position, and I'm still not excited about that, especially the news yesterday. Not that Inkeel Harry's ever been great, but Inkeel Harry was put on the uh, injured reserve list yesterday, which means he misses the, at minimum the first three games of the season. So I, I think there are some, uh, there still are some issues with the receiving core there still are question marks as to whether the running game is good enough and deep enough I think the Patriots defense is going to be fine but I worry a little bit about you know the weapons that that Mac Jones has around him but we'll see We'll see. And uh, we're going to have Dan Zampano on tomorrow on, on his normal Friday slot during the NFL season. So looking forward to that. And obviously Patriots will be a big part of the topic of conversation. But a lot of people were released around the NFL. So we'll get into all that with him tomorrow. Um, we mentioned yesterday the the uh, what Urban Meyer had done making comments about that uh, whether somebody was vaccinated or not was a consideration in whether they got cut from the Jaguars. And, of course, the NFL Players Association uh, immediately said, well, we're launching an investigation based on that. Uh, you know, I, I don't know to what end. I mean, are they going to, you know, file a lawsuit for, you know, I don't know, discrimination or something? I don't know what they're going to do. But anyway, the Jaguars yesterday trying to do a little damage control here issued a statement saying that... Um, no, that no player was released based on vaccination status alone. You know, part of the, but part of the statement did say that quote availability is one of the many factors taken into account when making roster decisions. Unquote. Well, this is a potato potato situation. You know, Urban Meyer said that vaccination status was a consideration. The Jaguar team uh, statement said that availability was one of the factors. Well, if you're not vaccinated, the chances of you not being available go up significantly. So if you're Jacksonville, you are going to take that into consideration. So whether you want to say it's vaccination status or whether you want to say it's availability, they are one in the same thing. Right. So uh, but again, I think the but the key point with the statement was and I and and I everybody heard Urban Meyer's comments. And when Urban Meyer said it was certainly in consideration, he didn't say if you weren't vaccinated, we cut you. He said that was one of the things we took into account. And but everybody heard, oh, not vaccinated, cut. It's not what he said, but it's what people heard. And I think the comment from the you know the the team yesterday from the PR department was just clarifying that and and 
iterating the fact that it was uh, or or that availability was important. But yes, you know, and look, we're, we're going to see this in all sports. Uh, you know, the Washington Nationals and the Baltimore Orioles have mandated that full-time employees be vaccinated in order to keep your job. Uh, the Orioles, I believe, have given full-time employees, year-round employees, until the 31st of October to get a vaccination, if you haven't already, or you lose your job. Nationals are doing something similar. Nationals have actually started firing people that ha- already haven't gotten their vaccinations, including a couple of scouts. Well, yesterday, there one of their vice presidents, Bob Boone, longtime major leaguer, father of Aaron Boone, uh, father of Brett Boone, resigned his job in Washington because he does not want to get a vaccine. It's his choice, but nobody's going to feel sorry for him. I don't. You're 73 years old. You are... You are uh, I don't care whether you were an ex-athlete or not. You are one of the vulnerable population. You're a senior citizen. Why the hell wouldn't you get the vaccination? You know, unless you've decided you've already lived a long enough life and, oh, well, if, if that's what's going to get me, so be it. And, you know, there are people that are that way. There are people that say, hey, look, you know, basically say whatever God's got in plan for me. If that's what I'm going to die of, that's what I'm going to die of. And they're comfortable with it. Not me. And it's not that, you know, I'm trying to fight God's plans, but, you know, I'd like to be around for a while. You know, I'd like to torment you folks for, for you know, a few more decades. You know, maybe after all my teeth fall out and I can, you know, th- maybe then I'll stop when I can't talk anymore. But I'd like to be around for a while. So Bob Boone decided he didn't want to get it, so he, uh, he, he resigned rather than get fired by the Washington Nationals yesterday, so. Uh, but we're going to see this kind of thing everywhere. We're seeing it in private companies. And, and it, you know, it's just a matter of time. Look, it, do you think the Red Sox wish they could have mandated to their players that they get the vaccination? I do. I mean, I'm sure they did. Uh, or I'm sure, I know they encourage it, but I'm sure they wish they could have. They were only one of six teams, as we mentioned yesterday, that isn't at 85%. By the way, the good news was, that uh, Xander Bogart tested positive for uh, COVID-19, but he, hasn't, he doesn't have it. He just tested positive. Uh, he has no symptoms, which tells me he's one of the ones that's been vaccinated. Uh, Kike Hernandez may be close to coming back for the Red Sox. They're hoping to have him back this weekend, uh, which also tells me that he's vaccinated because if you are unvaccinated, it is a minimum of 10 days. If he comes back this weekend, it hasn't been 10 days. So that tells me that he was one of those breakthrough cases that had symptoms, but it wasn't severe enough to hospitalize him or anything. But that tells me that he was vaccinated. But a lot of these other guys, you know, and the problem is, is, you know, you get a guy that's not vaccinated and, you know, they're probably like typhoid Mary and that's how everybody else winds up with it. And the Red Sox have no idea how, you know, that you're never going to know. I don't think they're ever going to be able to trace it back to how it started, but I'm sure the Sox wish that they could have mandated it. But the, the unions aren't going to allow that. The NFL Players Association, you know, that's why they're investigating what's going on in Jacksonville. They're protecting their players' rights. Just like the Constitution protects our rights, if you don't want to get a vaccine, nobody can make you do it. However, we also have the, you know, we you also have a decision to make. Because if I own a company and I mandate vaccines and you don't want to get it, okay, no hard feelings, 
but you're not working here. You know, I mean, so, yeah, you, you, you are free to make your decision, but your employer is free to do the same thing. And, and, I, and just like in the NFL or Major League Baseball or the NBA, I, I wonder, you know, and maybe COVID-19, maybe after this variant, maybe this is just going to be, you know, it's going to, you know, fade away a little bit and it's going to be something that we deal with, but it's not going to be the, to the degree we are now. Maybe it's, you know, becomes like the common cold or the flu season or whatever. So maybe this isn't a problem going forward, like, you know, years from now, but in the short term, you know, maybe this becomes something that is just part of our lives. And, 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 and we get to a point and maybe some of these people that don't want to get the vaccine, maybe, you know, six months from now when they see that people haven't grown three heads or they haven't all d- dropped dead from getting it, maybe they've, you know, and, and, the, and the death rates of unvaccinated people are shown to be incredibly low. Maybe some of these, these people that have been hesitant will get it. I hope so. But. You know, uh, again, your employer's got the right to do what they want to do, and then you have a decision to make. Uh, speaking of employers having a right to do uh, what they want to do, the uh, Major League Baseball front office has extended Trevor Bauer's um, paid administrative leave through tomorrow, September 3rd, which, by the way, because they did that, means that he is not eligible to pitch in the playoffs for the Dodgers because he was not on the active roster. But look, here's the deal. He's not pitching for the Dodgers again this year anyway. Uh, The Pasadena Police Department has turned the case over to the L.A. County DA's office. Um, And whether he will be criminally charged for what occurred with his... uh, uh, Girlfriend, you know, is up in the air. There's a lot of people that think it won't be because there was in the beginning a level of consent. He took it way too far and nobody who is unconscious can consent to anything. But because of what we saw, you know, the text messages and the evidence that in the beginning the framework of their sexual relationship was consensual. You wonder if that will cause the DA to not charge him criminally. And and I got to, you know, look, um, I think what he did was criminal. The problem is if they do charge him criminally, it is going to be absolutely brutal for that poor woman that uh, went to the police because his defense has been trying to impugn her character and tear her down since this whole thing started. You know, and it's just going to get worse if it's a criminal case. I, I mean, it's just it's going to be terrible for her. So, you know, from that standpoint alone, I almost hope that they don't charge him just so that she has a chance to move on and we don't have to talk about it anymore. But, however, having said that, we may have seen the last of Trevor Bauer in Major League Baseball. Even if there is no criminal case, Major League Baseball has the right to suspend him under the um, domestic violence policies that they have. And I think, which they started six years ago, I think it is likely 
that he will face the longest suspension under the domestic violence policy in the history of the league. You know, let's say they suspend him for a year. Maybe it's two years. So that means that, you know, maybe he's not eligible to pitch again until 2023, 2024. Even if that happens with the stain on his character now, what team in their right mind is going to sign him to play with them regardless of how talented he is, regardless of the fact that he's won a Cy Young? You know, uh, he always acted like a bit of an a-hole anyway, you know, with the strutting off the mound and this other stuff. He's very talented. But what team is going to want to touch him? Talk about somebody who's kryptonite. Remember when the Houston Astros signed uh, Roberto Osuna, who uh, had been uh, accused of beating his wife or his girlfriend and uh, was eventually, uh, the charges were eventually dropped? Despite that, the Astros were skewered for signing him, and that went on for a long time. Can you imagine with and we have more details about what happened with Trevor Bauer and the details of what happened with him are far worse you know not that we should be keeping score of you know who got beat worse but you know the details from Trevor Bauer's case are far more disturbing i can't imagine any team having the uh uh the idea to sign this guy because it would be a peanut. I know who would do it. I'll tell you who would do it. The New York Mets would do it. Because New York Mets don't care. You know, I mean, look, they between, uh, you know, their, uh, their GM that they hired, that they had to fire, and, uh, you know, several other employees that they've had issues with. And then yesterday, their, uh, one of their assistant GMs was uh, arrested for DUI. I mean, so maybe the Mets would do it because uh, pretty much every there isn't a day that goes by that there isn't some PR nightmare for the Mets. They had the whole thing going on with, you know, uh, with Baez and, and Lindor and, uh, you know, so maybe the Mets would. But no team in their right minds is going to ever sign Trevor Bauer. And I don't care whether there's a criminal case or not. Trevor Bauer didn't just shoot himself in the foot. He took a chainsaw to his ankle and cut off his foot and his career uh, for all intents and purposes, in my mind, and maybe I'm wrong, may, you know, they say time heals all wounds, and, you know, maybe he's going to go on some kind of uh, mea culpa uh, a tour and try to convince people that, uh, you know, things just got out of hand, and, you know, maybe he'll try to rehabilitate his image. But that's like trying to climb uh, Mount Everest with no oxygen. I think he has uh, two chances, slim and none, and slim left town. On that note, it's 29 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll actually talk about some stuff that happened on the field last night. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 31 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. The sun is out after the, uh, the deluge last night. Um, again, hope everybody uh, came through it okay. The, my only damage I had here, my, my roof decided to leak in one spot. Get ready to put the house on the market. And, of course, just before we do that, uh, somehow there is a leak in my roof. And my roof is not old. My, my roof is uh, less than 10 years old. 
So I'm not sure what happened, but I got to get somebody out here to look at that because uh, just because I need to spend more money to get this house ready to move. Uh, anyway, uh, so but anyway, I hope you all. I uh, hope we don't have basements flooded, and I hope uh, everybody uh, came through it okay. Um, so yesterday we had not an exact preview, but yesterday we might have had uh, we might have seen the two pitchers that pitch that will be facing off in the American League Wild Card game. Uh, Chris Sale made his fourth start since recovering from Tommy John surgery for the Boston Red Sox. And Garrett Cole pitched in his uh, hometown in Anaheim for the New York Yankees. And they both pitched extremely well. That's why, you know, uh, while, you know, it'd be great drama to have, like, let's say, the Red Sox and the Yankees in the playoffs for, you know, uh, the championship series and have them decide who's going to the World Series. There might, there's going to be even more drama if it's a one-game playoff between those two teams. It'll harken back to my, you know, my youth when I was 18 years old and the Red Sox and Yankees played that one-game playoff at the end of the season to determine who went to the playoffs at all. You know, I was in my freshman in college, skipped the history exam to, to watch that game. That might be more exciting, and it might be those two guys facing off against each other, which would be just awesome. So the Red Sox, anyway, uh, managed to get a win last night. They managed to beat Tampa, something that had <laughs> had eluded them for a while. The Sox uh, snap uh, a bit of a losing streak and uh, move within nine games of Tampa. They're not catching them, but they stay two games back of the Yankees. They are two games ahead of Oakland for the second wild card. And uh, Chris Sale, while his strikeout numbers were not overly impressive yesterday, he only struck out three, but he went six. Uh, It was his longest start since coming back. He threw 95 pitches, which was the most that he had thrown since coming back. He gave up six hits and two runs. The two runs that he gave up, were a uh, a two-run home run uh, by Wander Franco. And uh, there's no shame, you know, in giving up a home run to Wander Franco. And, and you know what? And it's funny. He didn't, uh, didn't bother him at all. He said, look, you know, he, it was a fastball that he threw up on the outside part of the plate. And he said, you know what? He said, that's not a home run pitch. He said, he's not supposed to get to that ball. He said, but it was me versus him, and he won. You know, and it, he's right. When you, If you look at the replay, that was a pitch that most guys in Major League Baseball these days strike out on if they swing at it. But Franco went up and got it and, and knocked it out. So, you know, and, and all the runs that Chris Sale has given up since coming back, they've all been on home runs. Uh but he, you know, like I said, he only struck out three. Uh, a couple other times he got into some trouble. Uh, the Red Sox pulled double plays off. They turned three double plays last night, which was huge. Uh, three double plays, and they cut two runners down at the plate in the seventh and eighth inning. You know, Tampa had opportunities in both those innings, and uh, with with Garrett Whitlock pitching in the seventh. He gives off a lead-up double. Uh, Joey Wendell's uh, 
hits a uh, uh, a fly ball that advanced him to third, and then with the uh, infield in, Randy Rosarena hits a grounder right to Rafi Devers, went to his left like one step and fired the ball to home plate. It wasn't a great throw. It was a one-hop throw. Christian Vasquez made a great catch, and they get Wendell at the plate. And then the same thing happens in the eighth inning. Jonathan Arauz, who was playing shortstop in place of the COVID-afflicted uh, Xander Bogarts, throws another guy out at the plate, and the Red Sox end up hanging on, and they get the go-ahead run and win it. Jaron Duran, an unlikely hero, a guy that, look, he struggled. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He has not given the Red Sox a spark they hoping they were going to get. And going into that at bat last night in the ninth inning, he was 0 for 3 and had struck out twice. Got down in the count, hung in there, and uh, got a single to right center field off of Pete Fairbanks. And uh, Rafi Devers scores from second, and the Red Sox win. But the MVP of the game last night was Christian Vasquez. Vasquez had went three for four, drove in two runs, including uh, a, a solo homer that tied it and made that outstanding play on the ground ball to Devers. That, it was an awful throw to home plate. And, uh, you know, I mean, you, you can't be bouncing a ball. The infield's in. You cannot bounce a ball to the plate. But give Vasquez a lot of credit. So he was really the MVP of that game last night. And I've... I've killed Vasquez a lot this year because uh, he's made some stupid base running decisions, gotten thrown out or picked off because he's built like a fire plug and somehow he thinks he's Ricky Henderson. You know, he does some absolutely stupid thing. You know, you steal a couple of bases and suddenly you think you're fast. You know, um, you know, and and he hasn't had the power that he's had in the past. He's which which is fine because I don't I thought that. You know, all the home runs he hit a couple of years ago, I thought that was a fluke. You know, so I don't care necessarily about the number of home runs, but I care about playing smart baseball, you know, and making good decisions on the base pass and swinging at strikes. And he's had that trouble this year. So, But last night, got to give him credit. Uh, Garrett Whitlock earns the victory. Chris Sale doesn't get the win, but who cares? Uh, Whitlock, two scoreless innings as he just continues for Boston to be a wonder. ERA down to 1.52. That's his seventh win of the season out of the bullpen. Adam Adovino, who is the closer right now, A, because Matt Barnes is stunk, and B, because Matt Barnes is on the COVID list. Adovino comes out and throws a 1-2-3 ninth inning, something else that, you know, even when he's pitched lately, uh, you know, he's been dancing on the edge of a razor. But he looked really good last night. Struck out two, picks up his 11th save of the season. So, Look, that doesn't solve all the problems. The Red Sox are still going to have to w- work their asses off. Their next 14 games are all against teams that are over 500. Right? So it's not, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, and, and, and at this point, at this point, right, it doesn't really matter because we were talking about how they had this long stretch against teams uh, that were under 500 with Minnesota and Cleveland and everything else, and the Red Sox couldn't even take care of business then. So at this point, it doesn't matter whether your opponents are under 500, over 500. It just doesn't matter. You just got to take care of business. Now, we've already talked about the fact that the Red Sox schedule at the end of the season is favorable. But look, they've got one more with the Rays today. Eddie Rodriguez is going to pitch. 
He's 10-7, and seven, but he's got an ERA north of five. They need a strong performance out of him. They have to split this series. You know, you got to. And then they come back home, three with Cleveland. Again, a team that, you know, they, they won a series out there, but they had to work their asses off. And then three with the Rays. And then they go on the road to play three against the Chicago White Sox and then three in Seattle, a team that is trying to chase them down that is right now three and a half games behind for the wild card. I mean, look, the saving grace for Boston is that they get to play the Baltimore Orioles six times in the final two weeks of the season. And they get to play... um, they finished the season against the Washington Nationals in Washington, another team that is out of it. Uh, so they have, I mean, you know, and, and they've got a couple of games with the Mets in there who stink. You know, but they've got three left with Tampa, or four left with Tampa, one today, and then three at home against Tampa, and then they have three at home against the Yankees. They can still catch the Yankees, but they've got a tough stretch coming up, and they are going to have to play better baseball. And Alex Cora said it yesterday. You know, everybody wants to talk about the COVID thing, and I get that, and and I agree. Uh, It's obviously horrific. But Alex Cora said, we have to put that aside. We have to play better baseball. You know, it doesn't matter whether uh, who your shortstop is or who your second baseman is. Now, it may matter a little bit uh, when you get to the plate, but you have to play better defense. And Rafi Devers has kind of slipped a little bit. He's kind of, uh, to me, uh, he has kind of regressed. Bobby Dahlbeck has not done very well at first base, and now they're playing Kyle Schwarber there, who is definitely not comfortable. You know, they've gotten errors uh, in the outfield that they weren't getting earlier in the season. They have to play better fundamental baseball. It doesn't matter what your batting order looks like. You have to play fundamental baseball, and they've struggled with that. Uh, by the way, the Red Sox got another guy in the COVID list yesterday, uh, Yara Munoz, who just came up uh, less than a week ago to, to, t- to take the place uh, of some guys that had gone down, and now he is on the COVID list, so he's done. <laughs> he's, he'll be heading back to Worcester probably because uh, – or, or maybe not because the rosters have expanded to 28, but – you know, as guys start to come back, uh, he's probably out of there. And as I said, they're hoping to have Kike Hernandez back for the weekend. Probably not for Friday's opener against Cleveland, but hopefully Saturday or Sunday. So that would be huge. Uh, and uh, one other quick note with the Red Sox. They announced yesterday that when they come back home, masks are going to be required for fans indoors. So if you're sitting in your seat, you don't have to wear a mask. But if you're going up to go to the bathroom, to the team stores, to the concession stands, anything that's in the concourse, you have to wear a mask. And it's just smart. It's just smart. You know, when you're in your seat, it's fine, but otherwise you have to wear a mask. And uh, I mentioned Garrett Cole. Well, Garrett Cole grew up four miles from the Big A in Anaheim. And he picked up his fourth victory in uh, his hometown stadium, you might say, uh, as he went seven yesterday, struck out a career high, or not a career high, a season high, 15. Got help from uh, Luke Voigt and Aaron Judge. And uh, the Yankees pick up the win over the Anaheim Angels, 4-1. to It was the 14th victory of the season for Garrett Cole. 
14 and 6. Uh, certainly, you know, I mean, if anybody can be said to earn the, the kind of uh, obscene money that he's making, Garrett Cole has been a good investment for the New York Yankees. Uh, Aroldis Chapman picked up his 25th save of the season, uh, and he did it without allowing a base runner. Hallelujah, if you're a Yankee fan. I mean, that has certainly been an issue. Uh, Jonathan Loisega, another scoreless inning out of the bullpen in relief of, of Cole. 15 strikeouts, no walks. ERA drops to 2.73. Packy Naughton got his first uh, career start for the Angels, lasted into the fourth inning, three and two-thirds, six hits, three runs. Uh, Two-run single by Voigt. Uh, and uh, a home run by Aaron Judge off of Steve Ciszek in the eighth inning, kind of the uh, the coup de grace in that one. For Judge, his 30th home run of the season. Yankees uh, off today. They will take on the Baltimore Orioles over the weekend. So, if again, this is why if you're Boston and uh, you know, you're looking at your weekend series, You've got to take care of business against Cleveland because I will be shocked if the Yankees lose a game over the weekend to the Baltimore Orioles. Nestor Cortez is going to get the start for the Yankees against the Orioles, 2-2 with a 2.77 ERA. Uh, The the Orioles are going to throw out the best they got. John Means will start the game Friday at home against the Yankees, 5-6 but a very respectable 3.76 ERA, so he will uh, get the start for Baltimore on Friday. But the Yankees remain two games up on Boston, uh, holding that number one wild card. They appreciated the help the Red Sox gave them. They are back within seven of Tampa. So that's where we are as far as that goes. The Blue Jays win. They beat the Orioles 5-4 as they try to stay relevant. Uh, Right now, Toronto finds itself four and a half back of the Red Sox for the second wild card. And not only that, they have the Oakland Athletics and the Seattle Mariners between the Red Sox and them. So uh, they're going to have to climb a couple of other teams to get into uh, to playoff position. Uh, Marcus Semien, his 33rd home run of the season last night for Toronto. What a great signing he was on that one-year deal. That is a career high uh, for Semien, or ties his career high which uh, he also did back in 2019. Steven Matz, five innings, just two runs, but uh, he struggled a bit with his control, walked four guys, gave up five hits. Uh, Jason Romano picks up his 15th save of the season. Matt Harvey from Connecticut got the start for Baltimore, four runs in four innings, and did not strike out a batter just a second time in Harvey's career that he failed to strike out a batter uh, in a game. It is 47 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take another break. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 49 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. I mentioned the Athletics still being two games behind the Red Sox. Well, they were within a game, but they fall two games back. Miguel Cabrera with his 502nd home run of his career, as well as a go-ahead RBI single in the seventh. And the Tigers... Beat the Athletics yesterday, 8-6 to six in Detroit. Detroit snaps a four-game losing streak. Uh, uh, Akil Badu also with a home run, his first since July the 27th. He also drew a walk. How about this? He hadn't drawn a walk since the 29th of July. <laughs> wow. Uh, Joe Jimenez picked up the win with a scoreless inning of relief. Uh, Gregory Soto, his 17th 
save of the season for the Tigers. Uh, Matt Olson, uh, three runs batted in for the A's. The A's had won three in a row, uh, but they, as I said, backed to within two behind the Red Sox. Frankie Montas is going to get the start in the series finale today, 10-9 and nine with a 3-6-6. It'll be Matt Manning taking the hill for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, the Seattle Mariners stay within three and a half of the Red Sox, and that is because they shut out the Houston Astros for the second straight day. Think about this. Uh, late last month, Seattle played a three-game series against Houston in Houston. Seattle gave up 30 runs in those three games. Well, they played four games this time, or three games this time, Seattle gives up just four runs in those three games, this time in Seattle. They shut them out for the second straight time, one nothing. Uh, the only run uh, scores on an Abraham Toro sacrifice fly in the sixth inning. And you want to know what baseball in 2021 is? This was a one nothing game. All right? one nothing game should... Move right along. Well, this one nothing game took three hours and 13 minutes and 10 pitchers. Each team used five pitchers in a one nothing game. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Absolutely unbelievable. Excuse me, it was three hours and 17 minutes, even worse. Jake Odorizzi got the start for Houston, went the first five, only gave up a run on two hits, uh, but was up to 87 pitches, and God forbid you go too far these days. Uh, Seattle's uh, Logan Gilbert got the start. He went five, four, four hits, no runs, but they removed him because he had thrown 94 pitches through five innings. So then after that, it was just a parade of relievers. Three hours and 17 minutes for a one nothing game. Unbelievable. Uh, and as far as the uh, AL West goes, the Astros still five up on Oakland, six and a half over Seattle. I mean, their division lead is pretty secure, I would think. But that wild card race going down a stretch is going to be absolutely wild. Uh, the San Francisco Giants are no longer in first place. It is the first time the Dodgers have been in first place since April. I believe it was April 27th was the last time the Dodgers were in first place, and they're there because the Milwaukee Brewers beat the Giants yesterday 5-2. to two. Um, Jace Peterson with a go-ahead single in the seventh inning. Lorenzo Cain had a home run for his second straight game, and the Brewers uh, win this one. Kevin Gaussman got the start, only lasted five innings for San Francisco, was pretty good while he was in there. Uh, but they got to John Brebbia uh, in the ninth inning, and that was the difference in this one as the Brewers win it. Uh, and the Dodgers, behind Max Scherzer, beat the Atlanta Braves yesterday. Uh, final in that one was three to two or four to three. Um, Scherzer didn't factor in the decision. Uh, Bickford got it out of the uh, out of the bullpen. Scherzer went the first six, only gave up three hits, no runs. He struck out nine, didn't walk anybody. He left after just 74 pitches because he felt his hamstring tighten up a little bit. He said he didn't pull it. You know, it's not injured. But he said when he was warming up, he could feel that it just wasn't quite right. 
So he actually, uh, during the game, he said he throttled down. That was his term. He said that uh, he just, you know, kind of babied it a little bit. So, uh, and he had a 2 nothing lead early. Uh, but, you know, Atlanta came back. Max Fried pitched well for Atlanta. But uh, runs by Justin, RBI singles by Justin Turner and A.J. Pollock uh, in the eighth inning were the difference. And uh, they end up winning this game by a final of 4-3. to three. And look, if you're the Dodgers, you just got to, you, you got to be smart with Max Scherzer. You know, and would it shock me if they actually skipped a turn to make sure that hamstring's okay? Uh, no, I wouldn't be, and I frankly, I would. Uh, the Braves with the loss, and uh, the Mets were idle yesterday. Philly was idle yesterday because of the rain from Hurricane Ida. Uh, Atlanta with a two-game lead over Philly, five over the Mets in the NL East. Uh, and Atlanta has now lost three in a row thanks to the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Braves, though, get a break. Uh, they get to play at Colorado, uh, where they will likely feast on rocky pitching. But a huge series coming up this weekend, starting on Friday night. The Dodgers go to San Francisco. It'll be David Price on the hill uh, for the Dodgers as they open that series against the Giants. And uh, the Giants are going to counter with Logan Webb, who is 8-3 and three with a 2.65 ERA. Uh, I don't want to be overly dramatic because we still have 27 games to go in the season. But this could be the season for the Giants. I mean, as great as they have been, uh, you know, getting that division championship would be huge for them uh, simply because then they don't have to worry about, you know, getting knocked out in one game by whoever it happens to be right now would be either the Cincinnati Reds or San Diego Padres. The Reds have a half a game lead over the Padres. The Padres lose yesterday to the Diamondbacks. A day after Blake Snell goes out and throws seven shutout or seven no hit innings. Uh, yesterday, Hugh Darvish got crushed. He gave up six runs in the third, uh, and uh, the Diamondbacks beat him yesterday. And then the Cincinnati Reds, thanks to uh, Nick Castellanos' grand slam, uh, splits a doubleheader with the St. Louis Cardinals. So the Reds right now uh, in that number two wild card position. Um, actually, they yeah, they are in the number one wild card position, and San Francisco would be a half a game back of that. So that's where we're at. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call and our buddy Dan Zampano. Hope you can join us. We leave you with some music from the Zach Brown Band this morning. I play the road. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.